Say the thing. Say the thing? Say the thing. They're canon! The Marvel Netflix shows are canon. We did it. We fucking... We won. ...did it. In case you guys didn't know, with the release of Echo, Marvel updated Disney+, and in the timeline order, they fucking put the Netflix shows in there. Hell yeah. Finally. Mm -hmm. It's about fucking time. Can I tell you the weight that lifted off of me? After that happened. Do you think they were waiting for Echo to come out to like really just flood it? Yeah, and and I think that the changes that they're making to the Daredevil show, I legit think they were making a show that wasn't canon, and then they were like, we're making a huge fucking mistake. And then like have now gone, and now they're they're bringing back Karen and Foggy. That news broke. I just want to know if it was bad. (laughs) I want to know if the show was truly bad and they had to pivot, or if they were just like, let's just make it canon. Well, I think it's both. Yeah. I I think they were watching a show and they were like, what the fuck is this? And then you hire someone who wrote on The Punisher. Yeah. And he's like, I'd like to connect it. And they were like, fuck it. And honestly, I think what happened is they were so worried that, like, no, everything we make is good. Everything we make is fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. And then Phase 4 happened. They were like, who gives a fuck if it's canon at this point? Yeah. <laughs> like, if that's what the people want, just, just fuck give it, it to yeah. them. <laughs> now, now, with exactly. that, also, I will say the only disappointing thing about them being canon and us having... Spoilers for Echo, minor spoilers for Echo, a TV show that is tied very closely to that universe with Kingpin and Charlie yeah. Cox's Daredevil, yet no Turk. Listen, I, I have hope for Daredevil Born Again. That Turk is coming. I have hope. I hope, but come on, Echo. Come on. You're better than this. Yes, and they also added her to the Defenders lineup. Yeah. Which made me go like, are they going to do like a- Another Defenders. <laughs> Another Defenders. Dude, that would be- Bring <laughs> back Sigourney Weaver. Marvel Studios, the Defenders. Would be ins- that would be an insane what a turn of events that would be. I think I could see them going uh 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 Power Man and Iron Fist show. I, I could would, see that being great for Disney Plus. I would love a Power Man and Iron Fist show. Only black writers though. <laughs> White people can't write for Iron Fist. We've seen what happens. <laughs> We've seen what happens. I mean you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, uh. Going from the Disney Plus side of things. Yes. uh, Well, by the way, we have a hell of a show for you guys today. Lots of news to talk about. And I want to go over a couple more things. One, um, if you're watching us on YouTube, that means you got to watch it early Monday night. And if you're listening on audio, you're still going to get your regular Tuesday and now Thursday shows as well. However, if you come subscribe to us on YouTube, you can watch it on Monday and Wednesday nights. Yes. So thank you for being here. Let's get into our first story. We have a hell of a things to do. Well, before we get into the first story. Uh Uh-huh. There was a movie trailer that came out. Oh, yes, 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 yes. That yes. I would like to talk about very much. Me too, me too. Abigail. Yes. Directed by the team who made Ready or Not and the two most recent Scream movies. Correct. Is about a group of people who are tasked with watching a child. Kidnapping. Kidnapping a child. Yeah. They just got to watch her through the night. Yeah. Get that ransom, you know. Plot twist. She's a vampire. <laughs> Actually, she's a vampire ballerina scratch that she's a fucking vampire ballerina (laughs) yes that's exactly what's going on and uh the trailer's excellent i highly recommend everyone watch the trailer for abigail it it looks like it has that exact same vibe of horror and comedy of ready or not and of course the scream franchise like i was smiling like the whole trailer i'm like yes this is exactly what i wanted this this is what i need and and it has dan stevens and i love dan stevens so much sometimes all you need is dan stevens yes as melissa brera katherine newton john color esposito hell of a cast yeah is that was that kevin duran that showed up was it i don't i don't remember old for show (laughs) kevin it was kevin duran there we go 
Nice call. You don't see Kevin Durant a lot anymore, and I'm very excited for that. Oh, and Angus Cloud. uh, Yes, his last performance. Yes, yes. Which was, he was very somber, but nice to see him kind of pop up in the trailer. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, no, trailer looks great. Everyone go watch it. I'm going to be there opening fucking night. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, But yes, now let's dive into the first story. Nicholas, what do you got for us first? Our first story comes to us from The Hollywood Reporter, going into the Star Wars side of things. A Mandalorian movie titled The Mandalorian and Grogu, hopefully they changed that name, (laughs) uh, is a go with Jon Favreau set to direct. Yes, uh, this is very exciting for several reasons, Uh, mostly to the fact that we're actually getting a Mandalorian movie, Mm -hmm. and uh, I think they also want to wash the bad taste of season three out of everyone's mouths as much as everyone else does. Uh, A couple new things have come out about this story since it dropped, uh, because Lucasfilm announced the film, and in that time, people have said, well, actually, they're going to do season four, and the finale is going to be a movie, and then a report in Hollywood Reporter came out, kind of contracting that, saying, there are scripts for a season four, but this movie might just replace season four. So there's, we still don't know if it's going to be a finale type movie, or if it's going to be just, we're going to do the movie instead of season four, but the season four scripts do exist. Mm-hmm. So something, something's going on, but either way, we're getting the movie. I also hope they change the title, but um, look, here's what I'll say. This makes me excited because that means we're going to get a lot more not even a lot more budget, but better used budget in a more constrained time to two, two and a half hours of this story. It's going to be Mandalorian that doesn't look cheap, which we haven't had since season one, really. I like season two, but even you could kind of see the cracks coming yeah. in from season two. I think it's a good idea. I'm excited. I Honestly, I'll be less excited if it is a finale to a series. I'd like to just see the movie, but I don't know. That's just me. What do you think? Uh, I've kind of mixed feelings on it. I think that John Favreau, because he writes everything with The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And I think that season three was rather lackluster. But I think that when The Mandalorian's great, he also deserves that credit. Correct. And I think the episodes he, he's directed have also all been like the better episodes of the series because John Favreau is a good director. Correct. My only hesitation going in with the movie is yes, he will have a, a more consolidated, it will probably be a big budget, but confined to two hours but he was so instrumental in the creation of the volume that i'm concerned about that because i don't think that the volume has really been properly utilized recently that's fair that's fair but i I would also say that one of the reasons the volume was so instrumental is because of how much money it saved and now you don't have to save money so i think if they're going to use the volume it's going to be more for oh it fits this environment better yeah like all the tie fighter stuff in the volume looks great all, all that stuff looks great. So I'm hoping, now I understand the concern. I'm hoping that it goes better. But at the same time, I think part of the reason they used it was to save money. And yeah. that's not really required on a movie like this. I just also have other, you know, you're titling the movie The Mandalorian and Grogu. Mm-hmm. But more recent Star Wars things have really been fan service the movie, yeah. you know, especially yeah. with a lot of uh, like the Ahsoka TV show. But even looking at Mandalorian, it was okay, who can we fit here? Who can we fit in here? Who can, how many Star Wars people can we fit into the show? Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that the movie doesn't become that and it does focus on Mandalorian and Grogu's storyline. Yeah, same. And just that through with it. And you can have the cameos and everything you want, sure, because he is tied to the Jedi side of things and everything, but I don't want that to overtake the strong storyline of their relationship and their connection. Yeah. What I'm very curious about, though, is Pedro Pascal's environment. Mm. Environment. Involvement. Um, because he still does the voice. 
Did not take his helmet off in season three. No, nope. we do not see Pedro Pascal at all in season three. Might have not and even been there. <laughs> might have not even been there. And you now have him who left Zach Krieger's uh, the Barbarian director's weapons. Yeah, because he had to clear up his uh, spot to be Mister Fantastic for Fantastic Four, which is going to be filming later this year. And The Last of Us. And The Last of Us season two, which is also filming later this year. Yeah. And now a Mandalorian movie that is also filming later this year. Yeah. You know, so I'm curious if he'll still do the voice work for it, and then there'll be maybe an extended sequence or two that they get him in for like get him in like two days, two two days or yeah. something, get him mm-hmm. in, get him out. But also at the same time, I feel like he is the Mandalorian. He's Din Djarin, and he's going to be in a little bit of the movie, even if he's doing the voice work. Like I don't know, it's a conflicting thing. Yeah, you know, I I, I see what you mean, but either way. I think this is exciting. Hopefully it can be more like Man- Mando 1 and 2 and not Mando 3. I think it'll definitely be going more into Grogu's backstory. Like, Maybe. I think it's going to be about him finding his place in the universe. Yeah, I could see that happening. Um, also, I'm just going to say this. I don't want this to happen. I want this movie to be successful. I want people to love it. Obviously, I, I always want that. I would not be shocked if this does solo numbers. How did solo do? I don't recall. Like $400 million. Mm. Season three did leave a bad taste in people's mouth. And it's not even just that, but I think people misunderstand the vastness between the movie-going audience and a television audience. Mm-hmm. And not that many, tons of people watch Mandalorian on TV, but like if you calculate that into dollars, it's not as much as you think. Yeah. Now, calling it Mandalorian and Grogu and putting Baby Yoda all over these trailers will significantly help. Because that's what really kicked up Mandalorian season one numbers. I think that's what kicked up Guardians too with yeah. uh, Baby Groot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... I think it'll help, but I want it to do better, but it wouldn't shock me is all I'm saying. Now, this is not replacing Dave Filoni's Mandoverse movie, right? From from all, all the reports say, no, that's still going to be a movie that so comes there's out. Still, so this is now a fourth movie on top of, so what? You, there was the Daisy Ridley Ray movie. Yep, there's this movie now, the Dave, Filoni, Dave Filoni's. And then James Mangold's. James Mangold's Old Republic? Yeah. Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah, so... We'll see if any of these happen. Oh, you know how Lucas also Ahsoka is. season two was confirmed yes. with this story as well, which makes me think that they're going to do Ahsoka two, this movie, and then Dave Filoni's movie to kind of like gotcha, yeah, because we, we still have Skeleton Crew coming out, I think, sometime this year. Which An is, acolyte, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think Skeleton Crew is supposed to tie in with that storyline, Ahsoka's, yeah, or like just like the Mandoverse kind see. of thing. So we'll see. But yeah, interesting time for Star Wars. Absolutely. What do you guys think of the new Mandalorian and Grogu movie coming out? Do you also hope they change the title? Let us know in the comments as we move on to our next story. Words getting ahead of brain. Nicholas, what do you got for us next? Our next story comes to us from The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, Tom Cruise has set up shop now at Warner Brothers with a new movie partnership. Yes. So this is an interesting story for many reasons. Um and I'm going to, it has so many twists and turns as well. So this is kind of all tied into a lot of things. So I'm going to kind of go one at a time here. The first thing is, is that Tom Cruise met with David Zaslav. Apparently they both hit buddy, hit it off buddy, buddy, surprising no one. And uh, they basically shared each other's passion for theatrical exhibition and what that means. So Tom Cruise has signed an overall deal with Warner Brothers to produce and star in films for them. So... You might think, oh, that's cool, but why is that such a big deal? Because Tom Cruise has been in business for such a long time, specifically with Paramount and those films. And he's still, I think they're shooting Mission Impossible 8 as we speak. And then, um, so, you know, he still has some movies coming out over there. But now he's moving on to Warner Brothers. And, like, 
on the positive, I think this is a great partnership to have. I think Tom Cruise loves movies and he'll put them in theaters, which is what we all need for movies to survive. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, what's the Paramount side? Like, what happened there? Well, another report came out in the newsletter for The Hollywood Reporter, basically just saying, yeah, Tom Cruise was pissed off at Paramount when they tried to put Top Gun on streaming, Top Gun 2. He did not like that. He actually had to lawyer up about it. And then they kept asking him if he could do spinoffs of like Mission Impossible characters as Paramount Plus TV shows. And he's like, guys, nothing against it. I don't mind, but like I'm, I'm here to make movies. I'm here to put things in theaters. And then apparently the last straw is he allegedly had brought up concerns of having Mission Impossible come out within the Barbenheimer craze. And was like, hey, that's a crowded summer for like people's first summer back to the movies for some people. Like maybe we should reconsider this and Paramount wouldn't budge. And then Mission Impossible did not do that well. How that worked out for him. So now he's kind of like, okay, Paramount, I kind of am done with you. I'm moving on to Warner Brothers. Great for Warner Brothers, but what did Paramount do? How did Paramount take this? Well, they quickly panicked and announced news of Top Gun 3. So Top Gun 3 is happening. And apparently it's not just like fake news to retaliate. It is really happening from all, from all we know. It's not like uh, Jason Momoa's Frosty the Snowman. Yes, yes, yes. It's not like that. So... um. So yeah, Top Gun 3 is happening at Paramount. Apparently Tom Cruise is going to finish Mission Impossible 8, and then he's going to do Top Gun 3, then Warner Brothers. Gotcha. And um, it's just kind of, you could see Paramount kind of sweating when the Warner Brothers news came out. They're like, we have to announce Top Gun 3 right now. I don't think they wanted to announce it right now. Mm -hmm. But I mean, look, I'm excited about Top Gun 3. I'm excited about Mission Impossible 8. But I'm not going to lie. I'm really excited about Warner Brothers because I think, honestly, if anybody in the world could convince David Zaslav, like, hey, don't delete people's work for no reason. It's probably Tom Cruise. That's fair. So I'm excited for that. And maybe, and you know what? I'm happy for Tom Cruise because now he can watch The Flash as many times as he wants. <laughs> but, uh, remember that? But uh, but yeah, what do you think about this whole Tom Cruise, Paramount, Warner Brothers thing that's going on? I think that in the industry, Tom Cruise... I would kind of correlate to like one of the last like actual movie stars yeah. where it's Big time. it's the name that's pulling in people not the product. Mm-hmm. And I think he always delivers cuz he, you know, the stunt work, the time, energy he puts in as a pro- on the producer level. Yeah. You know, this is a man who cares about his craft deeply and wants to deliver the best product possible. And if he's seeing things and has this this knowledge, as he said, hey, don't release it during this time. And what happened? It made no money. You know, I think he wants to be taken seriously and not just sort of written off as, oh, well, you're the actor. Yeah. You know, and if you have Warner Brothers who's really trying to save face and you can get these names and producing the movies under it, you know, because they took a hit when they lost Nolan. Yeah. Big time. For sure. Um and especially now, because Universal is gunning for him for best director, and if mm-hmm. they get it for him, why would he leave that? Exactly. They let him do whatever he wanted for Oppenheimer, and look at the result. Yeah. You know, and I just, it, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Because also, per, like, do we need a Top Gun three? You know, like I, I didn't think we needed Top Gun two, and I really like that. I didn't movie. think we needed Top Gun two, but do I need to watch? I, I could be on board. I think if. It's a double-edged sword, right? Because you want to see Tom Cruise in Top Gun. But at this point now, do you just hand it off to the Glenn Powell and Miles Teller 
well listen team and you know, you... listen we need we need to be able to call our dad sometime in the next five years and having top gun 3 come out with tom cruise it allows that that phone call you know what i mean it allows it to happen that's fair i mean it'll it'll be it'll be interesting for sure i definitely think the top gun reveal was definitely out of uh panic a hundred percent big time uh but I see just a simple answer to all of this together. Warner Brothers begs on their knees to get Nolan back to them. They now have Tom Cruise, Christopher Nolan's Edge Ooh. of Tomorrow 2. Christopher Nolan's Edge of Tomorrow 2. That was Warner Brothers, wasn't it? Edge of Tomorrow was Warner ah, Guys, we might finally get the sequel. Get Edge of we Tomorrow might get the too. sequel if this works. Oh, and Emily Blunt. And they just worked together on Oppenheimer. Exactly. Listen, he's not crazy. He's not crazy. Imagine, could you imagine the internet if it was like Edge of Tomorrow 2 with fucking Christopher Nolan? That he would goes be back. so wild. He goes back. Nolan's got his <laughs> Nolan's got his next idea already locked. And then he goes and says, Universal, I want to do this. They say no. He goes to Warner Brothers. They go, you can do whatever the fuck you want, and we will just give you a blank check. Yeah. You got to do Edge, Edge of Tomorrow, Tomorrow 2. <laughs> That best case scenario, honestly, best Listen, case. Not even Nolan. Best case scenario is we do actually get Edge of Tomorrow too, though. Yes, that would be that great. That would be my win from that the story. Yes, that would be great. And listen, we love Doug Lyman as well. Bring him back. We're fine with that. Uh, but yeah, what do you guys think of this whole Doug Lyman? I think I think it was. Fact check me while I go to the next one. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about Tom Cruise now making films with Warner Brothers after he finishes up his deals with Paramount? And do you think Paramount fucked up like we do? Uh, let us know down in the comments as we move on to our next story. But before we do that, Nicholas needs to confirm that Doug Lyman did in fact direct Edge of Tomorrow or make me look like an idiot. It's one of the two. It was in fact Doug Lyman. There we go. But it was Doug Lyman. Do you know who was a writer on the movie? No. Christopher McQuarrie. That fucking makes sense. Okay, that makes sense. I wonder who... Oh, because he did the new Top Gun. Ooh, do they get him for Edge of Tomorrow or Top Gun 3 when he's done with Mission Impossible 8? Yeah. I wonder what they get him for. We'll see. We'll if see. I was him, I'd go dead to I, I would. I, I mean, I definitely follow him. I definitely follow Cruz. If my career was working out the way his has. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, you go where that man wants you to. Yeah. Uh, next up, uh, in the road to the Oscars, which are going to be our favorite videos to make, the nominations for the DGA, SAG, and the PGA awards have been released. We are going to focus just on the movie nominations for the purposes of runtime, and we do slowly want to get into talking about more TV stuff, which we will do eventually, but. For now, we're going to do just the movie side of this. Let's go to the SAG Awards, Nicholas. Yes, you want me to read those off there? Please do. All right, where do you want me to start at the top? Yeah, just start at the top. All right, our first category is Outstanding Performance by a Male Actor in a Leading Role. You have Bradley Coopers as in Maestro. Mm -hmm. You have Coleman Domingo for Rustin, Paul Giamatti for The Holdovers, Mm -hmm. Killian Murphy for Oppenheimer, and Jeffrey Wright. For American fiction. That's a solid fucking five, dude. I believe that's actually what you had called a while back on yeah. the show, even, yeah. too. And, and I also think that um, I'm not surprised that Leonardo DiCaprio's off the list. I don't think he's going to be the focus of award season. And, like, yes, no. there are people in the Oscars who love Leonardo DiCaprio, but I, I think even he's taking a backseat from campaigning. I don't really think he cares all that much this mm-hmm. time around. So this doesn't surprise me at all. Every performance on here is great. Um there's usually one surprise that happens at the Oscars that we'll see happen, but I think this is a solid five. You know what my favorite thing to be coming out of this award season, though, is the Paul Giamatti love yes. one. Because yes. also the amount of gotcha interview questions that I've seen him faced with, mm-hmm. with like, 
Amazing Spider-Man 2. Or Planet of the Apes. Or Planet of the yeah. Apes. Or Big Fat Liar. Yeah. And the man just loves those movies. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not a guy. He goes, what do you mean? I got to be an orangutan yeah. in Planet of the Apes. <laughs> like, and he just handles it so well. And you could tell, like, it's just... I saw a quote he gave where apparently his agency was pushing for him to be a human character. Yeah. And he said, if you tell them I want to be a human character, I will burn this fucking agency down. <laughs> so I, 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 just to watch him handle that the way he's handling it and with the humor and just the love that he has even for that. I like to, you know, because you see some actors who write off the stuff and they're like, yeah. well, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. And stuff, you know, so. I'm pro Paul Giamatti this year. <laughs> Me too, big time. Um, next, you have outstanding performance by a female actor in a leading role. You have Annette Benning for Nyad, Lily Gladstone for Killers of the Flower Moon, Carrie Mulligan for Maestro, Margot Robbie for Barbie, and Emma Stone for Poor Things. Uh, also a solid list. I will say, I thought that they were going to focus more on Margot Robbie on the producer side of things. I think Barbie is going to do well. Yeah, going forward, um, you know there are a couple performances that could come in and steal it. You know there are a lot of great leading performances this year, female actors. But I mean, are you going to complain about this list? No, it's a Fair. great list. Um, I do think that it's going to come down between Emma Stone and Lily Gladstone, both here and the Oscars. But yeah, we've seen Stranger Things happen, though. We have seen Stranger Things. <laughs> I hope that's the end of the show i i swear to god like it's gonna end and there's gonna be another big bad reveal and they'll be like well we've seen stranger things cut Credits. to black yeah yeah <laughs> um next we have outstanding performance by a male actor in a supporting role which to me was interesting now yeah. these are just the sag nominations not the oscars but mm-hmm. you have sterling k brown for american fiction willem dafoe for poor things robert de niro for killers of the flower moon robert downey jr for oppenheimer ryan gosling for barbie big year for roberts Big year for Roberts, but but also um, shocked by no Mark Ruffalo. Shocked, genuinely shocked. I I still haven't seen Poor Things, but that from the consensus I've heard, everyone was like, yeah, it's and like, Ruffalo. And the thing is, like, what this does for me, this makes me think they're gonna double up and do Willem and Mark Ruffalo at the Oscars, and one of these people are gonna be left off. I can't tell you who it is because I love every performance on this list, but I'm, I'm worried that it's Sterling K. Brown, but I don't want him to fall off the list because he's so good. <laughs> It is. I honestly, I was very happy to see Robert De Niro make this list mm-hmm. because, besides Lily Gladstone, who I think is the standout of Killers of Flower Moon, yeah. Robert De Niro, sorry, Robert D and Robert yeah. Downey are like yeah. right there. Robert yeah. De Niro gives probably the best performance I've seen from him in, in a, long, a time. long time. And that's even including like The Irishman. Yeah. Like, this was an actor who just wanted to show him and be like, no, I can still do this. Yeah, and it, it was Go a f- watch about my father, but I can still <laughs> do this. It was the first time in a while where I saw him and I didn't see Robert De Niro. Yeah. Like, I saw who he was playing. Big agree. Uh, what we got next for supporting uh, actress? Or no, supporting... Yeah, no, supporting actress. Yes. You have Emily Blunt for Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. Ooh, the formatting's all fucked up. Hold on. Yep. Danielle Brooks for The Color Purple. Mm-hmm. Penelope Cruz for Ferrari. Jodie Foster for Nyad, and Divine Joy Randolph for The Holdovers. I'm fucking so happy Penelope Cruz is getting <laughs> recognition. I still haven't seen Ferrari. Because here's the thing. I saw Ferrari. It's good. It's a good movie. Mm-hmm. My, I mean, it's Michael Mann. It's going to be a good movie. Adam Driver's good. I came out of the movie, and I literally called Hannah, and I was like, Penelope Cruz was fucking great in that. And she's getting no, before this, was getting no awards buzz. Yeah. I hit the mic, sorry. But like, it's just like... It, that blew my mind. And so it yeah. brings me so much joy seeing Penelope Cruz on the list. 
Um, dude, Divine Joy Randolph has been sweeping these awards, so it might come down to her. But I'm very happy to see Danielle Brooks on there. She killed it in the color purple. Um, Is Danielle Danielle Brooks was she Peacemaker? Yes, she was in Peacemaker. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, Emily Blunt. I feel like was a given. Yeah, just because of the size of Oppenheimer as a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm actually very happy for Jodie Foster. I watched uh, Nyad last night because uh, you had mentioned uh, seeing it and that Annette Benning would probably get an Oscar nomination for Best Actress, which yeah. this is the SAG, but we saw that. But I was watching it, and like you, and you and I talked about it for the show, like Jodie Foster was good in <laughs> She's it. She's very good. The movie's okay. Yeah. But the performances are really what elevate it to like Correct. be a better movie. 100%. Um, so I, I really thought it was just going to be her, so I was happy to see Jodie Foster sneak in there. Yeah, me too. Me too. And then... Uh, then their their version of Best Picture is just Best Cast. Best Cast. And they have American Fiction, Barbie, Color Purple, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer. Um, you know, all great casts. No air. Horse shit. But <laughs> Listen, but if we're fine. just going cast, like, air's a solid cast. <laughs> it's a solid cast. All right, let's move on to the DGA because there's only two awards that matter. Dude, this, the Best Director guest for the Oscar is going to be so fucking hard. And I'm going to explain why. I'm going to dive into these. Yeah, I got to find that. So here's, ready for these nominees. And then I'm going to throw you a curveball that's going to make it harder, okay? This is for director. Yes. Okay. DGA nominations for best director. Greta Gerwig for Barbie. Okay. Yorgos Lanthimos for Poor Things. Okay. Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer. Alexander Payne for The Holdovers. Martin Scorsese, Killers of the Flower Moon. And you may be thinking, that's solid. Why would I, you know... They have another award, Nick, for Best First Time Feature Film, where you have Celine Song for Past Lives and Amer- and Cord Jefferson for American Fiction. Celine Song. I agree, but I'm saying, who does she replace? Oh, who does she replace in the, the top? Yeah, because like, if we're going for the Oscars, there's only five. <laughs> I probably, I hate to say this, but probably Alexander Payne. I was going to say Alexander Payne. But like... Still, though, like that's an insanely tight category, but that's but you're not taking into account foreign films, yeah, zone of interest, anatomy of fall, like things that the academy loves to recognize, which is good and fair, but still. Now, speaking of the producers, let's move on to the PGA nominations. And I know shit, I think this is going to be a 10 for 10 crossover, yeah, I personally think this, and also no Bradley Cooper for Maestro under director either, but. I think it's a listen. Maestro's a good movie. A poor man. It's a good movie. I haven't seen it yet, but just watching just the uh, internet just and, and collectively. It's, it's a, you know why it's annoying though? Because the collective hate is just he tried really hard. I'm sorry. He put like six years of his life into making this movie as an actor and director, and like let fuck you, Brad. <laughs> That's what everyone said. <laughs> He's just like I just tried to make the best movie I could. It's kind of funny though. It's it's a bit funny, but it's just like I feel bad for the guy. He didn't do anything wrong. I just if the photo hadn't come out, I honestly think is this that a different storyline? Fucked him from the beginning. Yeah, I think so. And anyone who watches the movie, there's no anti-Semitism in the movie. Oh, I don't, I, I don't believe that for yeah. like I, I don't believe that there was anti. Like, for a second, I don't believe any of that. Yeah, but but it's like just, the photo was, it was not so a good. So funny PR that move. the internet was just like no. no. Yeah, yeah. God, I watch the movie. It's good. Um, producers go for best picture. We're closer to Hangover Four if the hate keeps up, though. Listen, you're right. American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, Zone of Interest. 
I think that's a 10 for 10 slot. Anatomy of a Fall, though, overcoming those odds by not being able to get the best foreign language nomination because yep. France didn't submit it. Going all the way, great news for them. I think that also opens up some screenplay opportunities, but did, but then does that ruin Sandra Huller's chance as an actress? I don't know. <laughs> it's getting difficult, but solid films. I'm one of like five people who didn't like Zone of Interest. I'm sorry. I thought this, the point the movie was trying to make, it made. Yeah. It made the point. It doesn't do anything else. I'm sorry. Maybe good has good sound design too. But like, I don't know. Someone else watch the movie and let me know because I love conversations. Mm-hmm. People telling me I'm wrong, get it every day. I just, it just wasn't one of those for me, man. This didn't work. Yeah. But yeah, overall thoughts on all the shit we just threw at each other with these nominations. Because <laughs> the Guild nominations meet, have some crossover with the academy not 100 percent, but a lot i am just very interested to see the oscar nominations i think that's going to be a very fun uh recap video to make um i think there's definitely going to be some shock and i think that this year is really just a toss-up on everything like i don't think that there's a clear winner on thing you know like you look at was it last year that two years ago dune the 2022 oscars yeah Bless you. Thank you. Where you're like, oh, every technical award is, <laughs> is going, going to, to Dune. Dune. <laughs> this one, it could go to Killers of the Flower Moon. It could go to Barbie. It could go to Oppenheimer. Four like, things. there's so yeah. many different. It, it's a toss up on everything, and it'd be interesting to see where it bounces out. Yeah, no, I I agree. I agree. It's gonna be a good year. It was a great year for movies. I mean, just reading that list, I was like, god damn. Yeah. And I've seen them all. <laughs> no more extra homework. <laughs> Oh, I've got so much homework I'm going to have to do. I, I'm terrified. What is it, January 23rd they come out? I think so, yeah. I'm terrified. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But yes, uh, those are all the Guild nominations, everybody. What do you think of them? Let us know in the comments below as we move on to the box office. The first box office of the year. Yes. Yes, indeed. And because of that, we don't have any predictions. Nope. So we're recording a little bit early into the day on Sunday. So the numbers are not out on the numbers website that we normally use. But Deadline did just release an article claiming to have the Sunday estimates. So we're going to read those. And of course, we always put the final Monday numbers in the description below. So per deadline, it looks like Mean Girls is going to come in first with a 27.5 three-day weekend million. Yep. Um, The Beekeeper is going to come in second with a $16.8 million three-day weekend. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Got to protect the hive. What's the budget on that, though? Oh, I don't... Great question. I'm not seeing a reported budget anywhere, but I imagine it was at least probably like 40. That's a pure guess, but we'll, we'll have to see. Coming in third was fucking Wonka, making another $7.6 million over the three-day. I think they're gonna, there's going to be four-day numbers, too, because the holiday coming up tomorrow. Uh, today for you. <laughs> coming in fourth, which has been a fucking surprise hit, man. Anyone but you making another $7.5 million, so it'll be close between them and Wonka. Oh, wow. Yep. Only dropped 35% from last week. And coming in fifth, hanging in there. Migration, making another $5.1 million. That's your top five. Per deadline, the month if if you come in on Monday and the numbers are fucked, it's because deadline was wrong. Uh, But yeah, also Aquaman came in sixth, and you know that that poor bastard just just can't. However, it's gonna pass. I think it did pass Black Adam, so it was officially the highest grossing DCEU of like the post James Gunn announcements. Didn't it pass um, Marvel's releases as well? Not Guardian, but it passed Marvel's and Ant-Man, I believe. 
Uh, I don't know if it's past Ant-Man yet, but it has past Marvels. Gotcha. Um, good for good for Wonka, too. Yeah. Wonka's sticking it. And Wonka. anyone but you is also... R-rated rom-coms are back. They're back. The mid-budget... Listen, the mid-budget rom-com is back. That's what we need. We need the mid-budget stuff returning. Also, go see the Beekeeper. Beekeeper is really fun. We can't praise Beekeeper enough. Watch the review on the channel if you don't believe us. It's so good. It's so good. I Check it live. Did you watch Mean Girls? I did. What'd you think? It was fine. Yeah, I mean, it was good. I, yeah. I. How bad was the Apex Predator number? It was bad. Which one's that one? Where they're all acting like animals? <laughs> Dude, it was, that was rough. Here's my biggest gripe with the movie, mm-hmm. is I hated that every song was a music video. Okay. But at the same time, I also appreciate the consistency in that every song was a music video. I see what you mean. Yeah. It just, it didn't work for me, but I also respect that they kept it. That's fair. Like, that they kept it throughout. Um, I think that all the performance, like, the casting was all really good. Mm-hmm. I just, I love Angori Rice as an actress. I thought she was really good as Nerdy Katie. Okay. I did not buy Plastic Mean Girl Katie. Fair. Uh, an unsurprising Tim Meadows W. Yes. As he always is. Yes. Um, but yeah, I don't know, it just... I was never, I, like, I like the original Mean Girls, but I was never like, oh my god, it's a huge fan kind of thing. I so I, I was really just more or less whatever on this movie as a concept. I haven't seen the Broadway play or musical, mm-hmm. so I didn't really know any of the songs, but I thought the casting was all good. I will say the one friend was hysterical, the um, the really dumb one. Yes. Who was it? Was the Amanda Seyfried character yeah. in the original? She was hysterical to me. Mm-hmm. Tim Meadows as the principal was funny. I thought that um, Renee Rapp did a good job as playing like an updated, modernized Regina George. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the chemistry between Angry Rice, who Angry Rice, amazing actor. I thought the chemistry between her and her friends, uh, uh, Damien and J- Janice. Janice. I thought they crushed it. They were really good. I thought they like really had the dynamic down. A lot. Yeah. No, I think that they were the, they were probably where I got the most laughs was the two of them. Yeah. Uh, what I was going to say earlier, Wonka's going to pass $500 million. <laughs> Wonka sequel. It's, it's just Gene Wilder. <laughs> okay. We have a lot of gap to fill in between those. Sure. But I'll be completely honest. Yeah. If they just remade Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, like beat for beat, but it was Timothy Chalamet and New Kids, I'd, I'd go. That's fair. I don't know if I'd like it, but I'd go. Um, oh, one more thing about Mean Girls. Yeah. Two more things. One, I thought the direction I quite enjoyed. Yeah. Mostly because I appreciate that they understand cameras can move. Yeah, correct. There's a lot of camera movement. Yeah. Very easy to please from that. Yeah. I have your static shots, but don't be afraid to move it around. Um, and also, it made currently... 27 million more than it would have made as a Paramount. It would have been released on Paramount Plus, yes, 100%. Um, Shall we move on to our predictions? We shall. What comes out this week? The only major release that I can think of is the new ISS movie. What is that? Have you not seen trailers for this? No. It's a movie with Ariana DeBose. Okay. Um, She plays an astronaut, and it's American astronauts, and they link up in the ISS with Russian astronauts. And they're all having a party, and they look down, and there's a, a nuclear war happens on Earth. And both Russia and America send up signals saying, you need to kill the other ones. 
It looks awesome. Looks like I'm catching up on Maestro or Poor Things <laughs> or uh, we don't want to see that Iron Claw. That's straight up in our wheelhouse. <laughs> straight up. Yes, but I don't think that's getting any Oscar nominations, and I need to catch up. Well, no, that's true. I mean, it's January yeah. release. No, I'm gonna go. No, don't say January release because we saw the Beekeeper together. <laughs> that's true. And look, look, I liked. I've seen three January releases. I've liked two of them. Okay, I'm just gonna say that. Uh, but yeah. Um, so then, predictions. Predictions. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go first. Yes. I think Mean Girls is gonna hold number one. Okay. I'm gonna go Mean Girls number one, ISS number two, uh, Beekeeper number three, Wonka number four. Anyone but you, number five. I think that's all that comes out next week is that ISS movie. I'm going to go. How much did Wonka make? Allegedly. Allegedly it made 7.6. All right, I'm going to go Mean Girls, Beekeeper, ISS, Wonka, anyone but you. This is also the wide releases of All of Us Strangers and Memory. I don't know what either of those are. Okay. All of Us Strangers is very good. Right now. Oh, that's the Paul Mescal one. Yeah, and Andrew Scott. Yeah. I keep my list the same. <laughs> fair. That's completely fair. <laughs> uh, what are your guys' box office predictions? Let us know in the comments below. And uh, before we wrap up, don't forget there's going to be another episode later in this week. Um, also, be on the lookout for some reviews. And towards the end of the month, be on the lookout for some other reviews that we'll be doing. Uh, we did get our screener invite for Argyle. Yeah, we did. So we'll be able to drop that whenever it comes out at the end of the month. I think it drops the 31st or February 1st, the embargo. So we'll be able to review that. So be ready for that. And uh, you got anything else you want to add? Uh, keep an eye out for the Thursday show where we will be discussing Barbie's move to adapted screenplay. Yes, be Hot on the lookout topic for that. right now. Yes, I can already tell I'm going to fucking hate it. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to love it, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, yes, thank you guys so much for watching. We'll see you on the next episode. <laughs> <laughs>